Coming up on episode 249 of Wheel Bearings, we've got the Audi Q5 Sportback, the Hyundai Tucson N-Line and Ionic 5, a road trip in the Kia EV6, Tesla FSD can't recognize airplanes, NHTSA finally has a new administrator, all that and more coming up next. Did you know you can support Wheel Bearings directly? Head to patreon.com slash wheelbearingsmedia and you can become a patron today. Your contributions will help fund the platforms and tools we use to bring the podcast to you. And exclusives and improvements are already on the way thanks to your generosity. So if you want to be part of an automotive podcast like no other, head to patreon.com slash wheelbearingsmedia. This is episode 249 of Wheel Bearings. I am Sam Abuel Samad from Guidehouse Insights. And I am Nicole Wakelin from the Fast Women podcast. You almost forgot where you're from, Sam. I know. I, think I, I, was, I, know. I almost did. <laughs> and I am Roberto Baldwin from Autoblog. New one this week. Ooh. Joining my yeah. old stomping grounds. Yeah, yeah, they're good folk. They used they they used to uh, um, syndicate a lot of my stuff when I was in gadgets um, over it on the auto blog, and so I was like, oh, I should probably write something for them. So I pitched them and said, yeah, go write that thing, and I said, yay! It's all one all one big happy family over there at the former Weblogs Inc. Weblogs Inc. Don't don't get me started on Weblogs Inc. I have a whole <laughs> insane past with those people. I'll bet. Yeah. Um, all right. So uh, let's start with you this week, Robbie. What have you been driving? Oh. Oh man! Uh, <laughs> Are you ready? Yeah, I'm ready. I'm always okay. ready. I was born ready. I was driving. <laughs> ready 20- for what we don't know, but ready for something. Ready. Yeah, I was born ready for other things, not this. But here we go. So I was driving the 2022 Audi Q5 Sportback. This is the Q5, but it has the scoopy swoopy back. <laughs> so instead of a square back like a traditional it's a, SUV, it's sliced it's off. Sport. Yeah, and here's here's the weird thing. I've driven the Q5, I don't know, last two, three generations. For some reason, just because it has, it's got that little swoop, it feels really small when you like kind of get into it. You're like, oh, this car is so much smaller. Than it. No, it's not. <laughs> Same size. I mean, there's less cargo room because you have the little swoop because that's just what happens when you. But it just for some reason, your brain tricks you into thinking you're driving a smaller vehicle, which is an optical fine. delusion. It's an optical delusion, exactly. <laughs> uh, um yeah so it has uh it's it's actually i really liked it um here's here's the thing though so i I liked it it was fun to drive um you know it has 261 horsepower 273 pound feet of torque you can do zero to 65.7 seconds you know the, the the regular type things um it's not quite as sporty as it, sh- I feel like it should be a little bit more sporty if you're going to put the word sport back in it. It's like almost there. And it's an Audi. So it's like, okay, well, Audis are already sporty. And then you throw the word sport back. You should like, it's, I don't know. I feel like it needs a little, a little extra something, something. More just, sporty. Just, a, just a scooch, a scooch more extra something, something. I think for people who buy it because they like the way it looks and they're already happy with like Q5, they're going to be like, oh, this is fine. But I think for, for when you, when you, when, I, I don't know, you had the word sport. A little something, something. Uh, That's fair. Yeah, it's the Quattro. It you know, it's it's all. It has all the regular Audi interior stuff. Um, Audi's sort of the 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 tech division of the Volkswagen Group. Um, they work on a lot of the sort of the tech stuff. Uh, MMI still a really nice uh, infotainment system. 
Um, I still do not like where they put the stock for the driver's assistance. Um, I've been complaining to Audi it's this for down years. Down low on the left. It's down low on the left. Yeah. And <clears throat> I don't care how many Audis I've driven. <laughs> I'm still like, wait, how does this work again? And uh, I will yeah. have an Audi for a week and I'll finally almost kind of remember how it works. Whereas everyone else, it's, you know, it's on the, it's, it's the buttons on the, yeah. on the yeah. steering wheel. Yeah. You're like, oh, these are easy to understand. It's, I don't know why they, I, I don't know. I mean, you could you could move the media buttons, I guess, if you wanted out of there, but off the steering wheel. But it's you know everything else on the steering wheel. It's not you know you don't accidentally hit things. Like it's all laid out very nice, mm-hmm. except for that one thing, the one thing that just bugs the hell out of me. Just which is, one thing that you'll hate about the Audi Q5 Sport. Just one here, fifty things you'll love and one thing, <laughs> one you'll, thing hate. you'll hate. <laughs> yeah, one thing you'll hate about the Audi Q5 Sportback is that. <laughs> uh, it has uh let me look at my numbers oh it has a combined mpg about 25 miles per gallon uh again it's 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 larger than i think (laughs) (laughs) um i got about 24 i was doing uh you know a lot of robbie driving which is not fuel efficient no yeah well it it doesn't necessarily correspond to the way the epa test drive cycles are done Exactly. There you go. Exactly. Wow, that was well phrased. Your political yes. career is in the wings there, Sam. You it's, can do it any moment now. It's it's like um, when when you do the when I drive EVs, I do a range test, which is just like okay, this is just like boring driving. It's the most boring part of any of the cars I get is range testing, and then I do the driving test, which is like me driving like me, um, and those are two different things. You know what I mean? Because most people don't drive like I do um, on a regular basis. They mm-hmm. just sort of like oh, I gotta get to work and we put the car in. Yeah. So same thing, you know, 24, that's pretty good. It's, you know, it's, it's, it's an expensive luxury car. It's very comfortable. Um, I feel like Audi's uh, for the past I don't know, like 10 years now, just sort of like for a while they had a pretty bad uh, reputation. Um, I would, I used to refer to their transmissions as made out of glass. Oh, um, that's not good. Because everyone I knew who had an Audi had some sort of transmission issue at some point or another. I, I you know, that's, I think that's those, those sort of, uh, scary uh, exploding transmission days are over so that's good for that good for audi for sort of Yay. bringing it or you know coming back from the verge of just being ugh. uh it's starting <laughs> uh, according to the website it starts at fifty thousand one hundred dollars according to my moroni it starts at forty eight thousand four hundred dollars Ooh, discrepancies uh, you know it's it's quattro so you know it's going to take off you're not going to have a lot of wheel slip it's a um the vehicle i drove though um it had the prestige package, Ooh. which was eight thousand seven hundred dollars. Oh my and gosh! What do you get for eight thousand seven hundred dollars? That, that, that make you, you prestigious. Get prestige. You get prestige. Prestige worldwide. <laughs> That's it. Uh, you get uh, the Audi phone box, which I guess is just the the uh, charging thing. You get the Bang and Olufsen surround sound, three D audio, auto dimming, Sirius XM for three months. LED lights, which you can't really use yet in the United States, uh, parking assist, virtual cockpit, you know, all the little fancy schmancy active lane assist. Everything is packaged in one giant. So it's thing. a lot of stuff. It's not it's like a, a small package. No, it's a no, lot no. for it's that price. Heated okay. rear seats, uh, heated and cooled front cup holder. By the way, I, oh, love, I love that. <laughs> I, I, every, I, I think every car should have, if you can heat my seats 
and cool my seats, I would really love if you could heat and cool my, my cup holder. I thought it was like, that was like when the first time I experienced heated seats, I thought I'm like, this is stupid. Who needs this? And then once I use them, I'm like, oh my God, who can live without this? <laughs> you you right? live in New I Hampshire. Like, I, I'm I shocked that you would e- I, ever think that. But I never had had a car that had them. So I'm like, this is just a silly frou-frou thing for the fancy people. And then when I finally had a vehicle that had it, like, this is the most amazing invention ever. And then the, the cup holders that are heated and cooled were the same way. I thought, this is just so ridiculous and over the top. Who needs this? And then it kept my coffee warm. And I was like, oh, me, 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 me. I need this in every car I have for the rest of my life. <laughs> um, I did find a uh, an error on the Monroni that... Um, <gasps> Well, it might not be an air. It has ventilated front eats. So the maybe eats are ventilated. Mi- maybe you missed a spot where you can put like your ice cream and it keeps so, it cold. It <laughs> ventilates your eats. <laughs> it ventilates my eats. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, overall, you know, it's a, it's a really, it's a good car. It's, you know, if you're looking for a luxury uh, SUV, that's not, you know, it's not too over the, you know, it's not too foo-foo. It's not a Mercedes. It's not a BMW. The Audi's, uh, and you want a little bit, and, you know, you want some some of that sportiness that Audi is known for, then, yeah, the, the sport. And you don't mind losing some cargo room for a kind of a cooler-looking uh, version. Um, I think when they first showed it off, I was like, oh, all right. But now when you have it for, like, a week, you're like, oh, this is kind of look. It just looks like a big, a big hatchback, what it does. It looks like a big, nice hatchback. Okay, big, nice hatchback. Big nice hatchback, um, and just when don't I ever it, let people think of it as a hatchback. No, you don't actually call it that. Don't 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 say the word hatchback. I don't. Sportback sounds even, cool. Hatchback, no sir. Sportback sounds cool. Yeah, I think sportback is. It's a hot. See, you can't even say hot. It's a sizzling sportback. <laughs> sizzling sportback, snazzy sportback. Uh, I don't know. Uh, don't the know destination what... charge was one thousand ninety-five dollars. So well, it's all right. You know. Oh, that's less than that's less than my car that I have this week. Mine's more than that. Mine's pricier. Make you guess. (laughs) Um, yeah, you know it's it. You know they're bringing everything that Audi has. Super comfortable ride. It's really nice to sort of drive around town. Throw it and throw it in dynamic. Put it in sport. You know you can keep up with with the with most of the other vehicles on the road. Um, uh, one other thing I will say is that I was driving a series of um performance evs like yes. i just felt like there's like one after the other performance evs for a while and then i got this <coughs> which i don't think is fair <laughs> because <laughs> there's such a the, like you get in you push the you, you know you push down the accelerator and also it's, it's it's not that that immediate Mm-mm. it's not it's not, not an the EV. immediate and you're like uh, uh what's going on and for a second i was like oh what's wrong with this car <laughs> and you remember, oh, that's gas cars. That's a, that's a gas powered vehicle, and it's and it's not a you know, and it's not a manual, so I can't like control. You know, I can use the paddle shifters, but it's not the same, especially. Which you know, that is, and it's funny because I think all of us know that that there's a real difference in how an EV accelerates versus how a gas car accelerates even if it's a super powerful gas powered car. There is a very distinct difference in how they respond. But you still talk to like regular folks who are like, oh, is it okay driving an EV? You're like, yes. Yes, it is. <laughs> well, like, you know, it's, they it's don't get it. <laughs> this week, I was at the uh, the MAMA, that's the Midwest Automotive Media Association Spring Rally, which is held at uh, Road America in Wisconsin. And uh, you know, we have the, that, that 70 cars there for us to jump in and out of. And one of the things we did on, on the second day was uh, an autocross that they actually do on the go-kart course that they have at Road America. 
And one of the cars they had available for the autocross was the BMW M240i that you had, I think, last week, Robbie. Oh, yeah. Uh, you know, which was lovely, except if you forget to put it in, put the, put it into sport mode and put the, pop the transmission shifter over into sport mode, um, the, the, the transmission just feels so lazy. It does. Like, I, I had been driving the <laughs> i4 M50 earlier. Oh, and the acceleration of that thing compared to the M240i was like night and day. I mean, yeah, you know, it's I, unreal. I look forward to an uh, an M2 um, i2 something M2 whatever. I M2 whatever. or something. Yeah, a two series. <laughs> whatever alphabet two, they create. <laughs> I'm, I'm looking forward to a two series uh, um, EV EV because I think that's going to be real fun. I think that's going to be a really fun car. Yeah, so whenever you're uh, thinking, you're like, oh, man, I really want to go fast, but I don't want one of those EVs. Oh, yeah. no, tr- trust me, you want the EV. You want the oh, EV. Baby. You do. You do. You don't think I, you do, but you do. Yeah, that I4M50 is pretty, pretty, pretty choice. Yeah, well, we we, we drove that one. Uh, we had it um, on the first day. Um, it was only it was only available for street driving, not on the track. And it was raining the first day when I took it out. And on the, the last section of the, the road loop, you know, turn off onto the main road that, go, that goes back up and back into Road America. And so it's, a, it's uphill in the rain <laughs> uh, you know, from a standing start. And I had it going to, let's just say it was not quite three-digit speeds, you know, going up this hill very yes. quickly. It's, there you go. Uh, it, it's, yeah. Anyway, Q5. Sport back. There you go. There you right. go. Boom. There it is. <laughs> done and done. All right. Nicole, what about you? Okay. Continuing the theme for the last three weeks of my life. Uh, it is still Hyundai Palooza. A different Hyundai this week. Um, no, I did not get a job at Hyundai. I'm just getting all of their cars. Uh, so I have That's the not 20- a bad thing, to be I honest. Know. No. Um, it is not. I have the 2022 Hyundai Tucson N-Line all-wheel drive. So... The Tucson, which is new, which is actually love the exterior of the Tucson. The doors have these very angular design to the sheet metal. Like if you look at the picture, you see these angles. It looks really cool. I like how they design the exterior of this. But the end line, this is not about performance with this one. It's about looking sporty. So there's, it doesn't have more horsepower, more this, more that, fancy handling, fancy anything. It just looks cooler. That's basically the big difference between the rest of the Tucson lineup. It looks cool, <laughs> which there's nothing wrong with a car that if you're not someone who cares about sporting, you just want to look cool. It looks cool because you get a lot of extra inline stuff. You get special 19 inch wheels, the front and rear fascia that I like this part. They specifically say the front grill. Uh, as opposed uh, to that back grill that many cars have, the front grill is a special inline well, grill. Our, our, our Honda Civic does have sort of, Imitation grills on the back. But do they call it a grill? No one calls it that. I don't think so. Yeah, okay. But so the front grill, um, and then there's badging. It comes with dual exhaust, and it has a special N-line spoiler on the outside. So you get some stuff on the outside that makes it look different. On the inside, you get special seats. They are um, N-line black sports seats with leather and cloth. They actually look really cool, and the cloth sort of has a texture 
to it, but I discovered because it's short season here in New Hampshire, and it makes your legs look like you have like this weird waffle print on your legs when you get out of the car. It's like, oh, that's not attractive. So it does leave a little print on your legs in short sweater. Um, there's neat red accents. In fact, on the dashboard, there's this sort of like on the passenger side, there's this section that has sort of like a black sort of fabric-y thing on it. It has these little like red lines, like swoosh, swoosh, swoosh. It looks really cool. It looks neat. Like everybody who sat down in the car noticed it. Uh, you get alloy pedals and scuff plates and you get a special end-line leather wrap steering wheel and shift knob. So those are sort of like the end-line things. That's what makes this its own special trim. And then it also gets... It, because I don't know, I'm going to say it's like the middle of the Tucson lineup, kind of, sort of. But you get extra stuff like that's not specific to the end line. You can get it on other Tucsons, but this one has the Bose audio, the 10.25-inch uh, digital instrument cluster, wireless charging, and ambient lighting. Hey, has anybody ever, either of you in your whole life, had a wireless charger in a car that really, really works well? I feel like they never work no. for me. I, I I take a corner and suddenly my phone is not charging. Um, there- actually, um Cadillac, GM in general, um, they they typically have theirs set up so it's in a slot, and there's uh, like the, the little uh, rubber uh, sort of pillows in there. So when gotcha. you, you slide it in, and it, it holds your phone in place. This That's one does like not one of the hold. Only I, I feel like yeah. I always think it's charging, and I'm like, how come I only have one percent battery charge, and I've been in the car for two hours? Like it oh. never. It like I go over a bump. And it's not even my phone case because, yes, I took my phone case off and I still try it and I still have issues. But this one does have wireless charging. So that's sort of like the appearance stuff that makes it an endline and some of the just cool extra like we put this on our endline trim. But for performance, it's got what the rest of the um, gas vehicles in the Tucson lineup have. It has a 2.5 liter four cylinder engine, eight speed automatic 187 horsepower, 178 pound-feet of torque. It can actually tow up to 2,000 pounds if you properly equip it. Um, and for fuel economy, it gets 26 combined. I did a decent bit of driving in this, and it was really like highway and country, and I came up with about 25. So pretty close to what they said. Um, and it had, you know, me, my hubby, and my two kiddos in there and a bunch of stuffs. Uh, this was... $34,000, the only extra thing, 34140 to be precise, the only extra on it for that price was $195 for carpeted floor mats. And price is right time. What was the destination? Um, oh. I'm going to say... 95 $11.95. Did you both say $11.95? I said $9.95. You just go low on purpose. That's not even fair. Oh, that's what I think it is. Is that what it is? It can, no, it's not. It's actually um, it's twelve forty five. Oh, see, yes. I lost. So Sam wins, but you always go low. Like I'm just gonna go low to this twelve forty five. So which is more? No, but than I said nine ninety five first, though. I didn't I undercut him. He I overcut know. me. He overcut you. Should have said nine ninety six. But 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 I was I was also listening earlier. Um, yes, he when, was paying when, attention when you said. Um, Whatever uh, the, your your car had, uh, what ten ninety five? Ten ninety five. Oh, and you said yours Nic- was yours, higher. Nicole Mine said yours was, was higher. higher. Yes. See, because oh. Sam was paying attention. I'm, I, um, I was I was just monologuing at that point. I'm not really listening. I'm just like, ooh, it's my turn to talk. Woo-hoo. Blah blah blah. <laughs> so yeah, so twelve ninety twelve is it twelve ninety five twelve forty five twelve forty five so twelve forty five for destination so. But thirty four one forty. It's it's. This is a decent car. I like driving this. I mean, like I said, it's not. You're not getting extra performance for going with the end line, but it 
does have a little extra style. I do like how all the Tucson's have this very angular look, especially to the doors. It doesn't look like every other little bulbous, sleek little crossover slash SUV thing that's out there. Um, it's fun to drive. It's nice. The acceleration is fine. It's a comfortable interior. Um, it's it's It does a good job of being just a nice, affordable SUV. There's all-wheel drive in there if you live in the Northeast, which is great for me in the winter. Um, and actually, what's really funny is right now, they're repaving our street in front of our house. So, like, I don't know why repaving it involves taking it down to the Earth's core first. So there's just, like, <laughs> dirt. And, like, you go up. and It's like off-roading. I'm like, well, let's take you out there and see how you handle it. I'm, like, up and down. And back and forth. My daughter takes the charger that we have out. And she's like, I'm afraid to take it out. I'm like, that might be a good call. Don't take it out today. Like, the road is terrible. Um, so it was kind of fun taking on all this dirt to get out of this, uh, the neighborhood. And it's fine. Uh, so it's it's a good choice. And I feel like for the price, for $34,000, you're getting a car that looks good, that drives nicely. Hyundai's have a great reputation for quality. Um, it gets decent fuel economy. It, I mean, there's not, there's, I don't have complaints about this. I like this. I like and it's, it's just like a Santa Cruz with an enclosed rear end. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. It's like having a permanent cap on the back of a Santa it's just, Cruz. You just stuck it on the back. Yeah. yeah. So I like this. And you can get it as a hybrid and a plug-in hybrid, which I drove at the plug-in hybrid at Hyundai Palooza last week in Tennessee. Um, so it, you have very many choices. You can get the gas, you can get the hybrid, you can get the plug-in hybrid. They're all good choices. They're all well-priced within can, their segment. Can segments. you get the hybrids with the N-Line package? I don't think you can get a hybrid with the N-Line. I think the N-Line is exclusively, I'm almost positive. Wait, I'm going to double check. I'm almost positive the N-Line is exclusively the gas engine. Oh, I don't have the right form. I think that's just gas. I think there's there's a very small trim lineup. Yeah, the plug-in hybrid is SEL and Limited. The hybrid is SEL Convenience Limited and Blue. So you don't have an N-line. Yeah, the N-line is just the gas engine. Okay. So womp womp. Yeah, N-line is just gas. There's four <laughs> gas trims, four gas, three hybrid, and two plug-in hybrid. So that's what your options are. Excellent. So, yeah. Um, yeah, I, I, I drove the, uh, the Tucson plug-in, uh, about a month or so ago mm -hmm. and was really impressed with it. And it's, it's quite a bit larger than the last generation Tucson was. It's, it's kind of gone up a size class compared yeah, to the it, old one. It's very roomy. It feels very open. Like even when you push the front seats back, you know, you, mm -hmm. you still have room for, you know, that six foot person in front, six foot person in back. You can do it. You don't feel squished. Um, it's we loaded that thing full of all sorts of stuff for this holiday weekend that we're in. We had like groceries and all sorts of balloons and everything shoved in there for all the parties you're having. And it swells an incredible amount of cargo too. So that's always good. Uh, so it's, it's a versatile, it's a versatile little choice and it's a good price and it's fun to drive. My, my only real complaint about the Tucson mm -hmm. um, is the infotainment system, like the center stack, mm -hmm. the controls below the, t the the screen the display yeah are all touch controls mm. there's no physical controls there it's all capacitive touch controls uh like for temperature and climate and 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 volume and everything else all touch so you have to look at it to, yeah. to hit those controls i would i always prefer to have at least you know at least some of those be physical controls no i'm with you on that i you know i like you know i love touch screens but i love i like for the controls like that for hvac stuff for volume it's nice to just be able to grab something and do that so yeah that is definitely a downside 
Yeah. Just just give us some touch controls, people. A few little <laughs> few little knobs and buttons. They they they've been around forever with good reason. Especially you know, for even, things you, even things that. for things you have to use a lot. Like make that a touch control. Right. Because if I have to turn my head to do stuff, you mean a physical control. A physical control. Yeah. yeah you, a physical you, yeah. thing. I can a knob, touch. A button. I guess everything. I guess everything's a touch control. <laughs> yeah. Technically, yeah. Unless, you, unless I'm using my voice or my just mind. Just use the force. <laughs> um, well, yeah. So I agree. All right. Well, I also had a Hyundai, a, a different Hyundai than I was planning. <laughs> See, it's uh, all Hyundai all the time for all uh, of us. I, w- I was actually originally scheduled to have the Kona N-Line, so um, you know, the smaller crossover with the N-Line package. Um, but the day before, uh, they they had to swap that out uh, because Hyundai needed that vehicle for something. Uh, so they sent me the Hyundai Ionic 5 instead, the, the Ionic 5 limited all-wheel drive model, which is... So upgrade. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. Um, it's, you know, the top of the line version of the Ionic 5. Um, and uh, it was interesting because I, I already, I also had like for the following week, uh, you know, this, this past week, uh, I had scheduled the Kia EV6 to use for a drive to Wisconsin for the, the Mama Rally. Um, so I had, had the opportunity to go back to back for several days between the Ionic 5 and the EV6, which are mechanically, electrically, you know, basically the same vehicle, uh, but very different styling, different different feel to them. Um, the Ionic Five has a uh, almost four inch longer wheelbase than the Kia, um, and it also the roofline sits about three inches taller. And of course, you know, the look is a very different look. You know, the the Ionic has this kind of faceted look. You know, in some ways, you know, some similarities to the the Tucson, but going even a, a couple of steps beyond that, you know, um, with this kind of, uh, you know, it, it looks like a design that would fit right in in Minecraft. Um, <laughs> and, and, and I like it. I, I think it's, it's a cool design. It's good to see, you know, companies do something different. Um, and especially as they're going to EVs, you know, not just take their existing vehicles and close off the, the oversized grill um, and, you know, call it a day. You know, they actually, you know, gave it some real thought and, and designed this thing, you know, knowing what do we need from an EV. Um, so with the Ionic 5 being a little bit longer, a little bit taller, um, you know, a little less shapely than the than the Kia in, in terms of its, its uh, aerodynamics, um, it has slightly less range than the corresponding Kia um, with the same battery and motors in it. Um, and I think, uh, where is it here? Is, uh, the, the, um, the Ionic 5 all-wheel drive, the, the rear-wheel drive version of the Ionic, the single-motor rear-drive version with the extended range battery is three, has a range of 303 miles. The um, Ionic 5 uh, is 256 miles. I didn't do a formal range test with it, but I did, uh, I did go drive it around uh, my, my typical loop a uh, couple of times and it averaged um, about uh, 3.4 miles per kilowatt hour, uh, which is pretty good. Uh, it's actually freeway. Uh, it was a mix of uh, freeway, suburban, urban driving. Um, and that, uh, that is slightly better than what the uh, uh, official EPA rating is, which actually works out to about three miles per kilowatt hour because uh, it's 34 kilowatt hours per 100 miles. So it works out to actually just slightly under three miles per kilowatt hour. Um, and I got 3.4, uh, 
with it. So that was that was it's it's quite impressive. It's quite efficient. It's good. Uh, yeah, no, it, it does really well. Um, I really like driving it. It's it's a very roomy car. Um, we took it. We drove it to Detroit uh, one morning on Sunday morning for some pastries, um, and um, my wife really liked it as well. She she thought it was very comfortable. It's very quiet. Um, the the design is you know, as I said, both inside and outside is is an interesting design, um, and it's got uh, it actually has more physical controls um, than the. Uh, um, than the Ionic or than the uh, the Tucson does, um, the uh, uh, the highway drive assist uh, feature that they have on here and on the Kia, uh, which is their sort of level two, it's equivalent, roughly equivalent to Nissan's ProPilot Assist, uh, where it does it combines the adaptive cruise control and lane centering. Generally, works really well. It's a hands-on system though, so it's not like Super Cruise or Blue Cruise where you can take your hands off the wheel. You do have to keep your hands on the wheel. Uh, but it it works really smoothly, um, and on the Kia, I actually found that really useful, especially when I was driving back, uh, driving through um, rush hour traffic in sh- around Chicago. Um, but I'll get to that in a minute. Um, yeah, I mean, I don't I don't really have any um, notable. Well, actually, I have only one notable complaint about the, the the Hyundai and the Kia. This Wait, is it another them. 50 things you love and one thing you'll hate about? Yes. Okay, go ahead. <laughs> and, and that is the, the trip planning capability. Um, and I'm, I've done a story that's going to be on Forbes Wheels about an EV road trip review uh, with the Kia. Uh, but, uh, you know, if you're taking a long trip that is beyond the range of the, of the EV, you want to, you know, you're going to need to do a little bit of, planning to figure out, okay, where do I want to make my stops for charging, you know, so that you, so that it's convenient, you know, so it's not too far out of the way, uh, but it also doesn't, it doesn't necessarily add a whole lot of time to your trip. You want to mm-hmm. minimize that t- time you have to add to your trip. Um, I mean, for, for most EV drivers, you're going to charge at home. That's, you know, and that's, that's, that's great. Uh, but if you do have to take a longer trip beyond the the range of the vehicle, then you've got to you've got to think in advance of how you want to do this, and the uh, the system that they have in uh, the Hyundai and the Kia um, when you in the navigation when you if you put in a, a destination that is beyond the current range of the car, it'll say you know you you don't have enough range to get to this destination. You know, it pops up. Do you want to search for charging stations? Yes, great. Mm-hmm. Search for charging stations. It could not find any of the charging stations that I knew were within range. Oh, really? Oh, uh, that, no. That were appropriate. Uh, like, uh, I took the Kia to, uh-huh. or the Hyundai to drive up to an event at the Magna headquarters uh, in, um, in Troy, Michigan. And coming back, I didn't actually need to charge, but, um, uh, you know, I wanted to, uh, uh, to see, you know, how the system worked. And so I put in a destination, you know, that was not my home, that was beyond the, the currently available range. Mm-hmm. And uh, there is an Electrify America station, a 10-minute walk from my house. It would have been perfect spot to stop and charge. And if you, when you go into the, the thing there, you can filter it by, you know, charging speed and networks and, uh, you know, do you want it nearby or along my route? And you, I pick along my route. And I knew that the station was like literally 30 seconds off the freeway along my route. And yet it could not find it. 
It didn't know. It didn't pull it up for was some it, reason. Was it giving you another station that was somehow? I'm trying to like defend it. Was it giving you a? No, station it was showing that was me no stations better? along my route. Oh, oh none. Was- so you're just SOL. If I did, okay. if I did nearby, it would show me all the stuff that was close right around me, and yeah, most of which was level two stations, which were not particularly useful for a long trip. Right. Uh, so. Um, yeah, you know, and I've talked to uh, to Hyundai and to Kia about this, and they're aware of it, and they're they're working on improving that. Hopefully, that will come as an over the air update at some point in the not too distant future. But right now, if if you're driving one of these and you're planning a road trip, you absolutely want to do your planning in advance and figure out where you want to make your stops before you go. Um, this is one of the things that Tesla does so well. Yeah. And so and well. Ford Ford does it well too. You know, in their system on yeah, the Mach-E. the Mach-E is really nice. Yeah. So is this just a known thing where they're like, yeah, so our vehicles aren't really finding the closest chargers or they're omitting the, yeah, chargers? Yeah, well, the, na- the navigation system isn't isn't finding the right the chargers and the chargers the that right would spots. actually be most useful for that trip. That seems like kind of a major thing for, you know, a vehicle that needs those to get yeah, it. Yeah, Ford distance. does a good job. But yeah. It, yeah. And and they all need, just need to get, get a Tesla model, whatever, into the thing. And, like, and someone just, just say to the team, make this happen. Make this you work like this. Get the SDKs, get the APIs, get everything you need from EVgo, from Electrify America, from ChargePoint, and you need to figure this out. Yeah, and you know, before you know, before I left on my trip this week, you know, I also did some, you know, I tried to use look at other solutions for EV trip planning, and I looked at a, a several different sites, and right now I've got um, a tab open here with uh, ChargeHub, you know, which is one of the systems out there. Uh, and I put in, you know, the the trip, you know, from my home to Road America uh, and, you know, pick the options. You know, I want only DC fast charging and, you know, pick, uh, find chargers within 10 miles of my route. Um, and uh, it it didn't, sh- it's it's not showing me uh, one of the, uh, one of the chargers, you know, that I actually stopped at, which was actually more convenient. It's showing me a, a slower charger that is closer to the limit of the range of the EV6, uh, but it's only a 50 kilowatt charger, which meant I would have been sitting there for two hours charging Waiting. this thing. Yeah. yeah. I, I, I'm going to tell everyone a better route planner. It's an, it's an app. It's a website. It works with CarPlay, a better route planner. Um, a, uh, an automaker actually gave me, when they had me driving their vehicle a very long distance, or like someone on the team's like, use a better route planner. <laughs> That's really? actually the name of it, a better route planner. Better route planner. You can put in the car. You can put in the state of charge before you leave. You can put in the state of charge you want when you get to where you're going. I'm surprised they had not been purchased. Um, if you want to use it with CarPlay, you have to pay. There's like a subscription fee. But if you just go online, you can just use their website. You can just use their app, a better route planner. Yeah. Someone should just buy them. Volkswagen should just give them a big pile of money and steal, and steal everything that they've been doing. It's, it's it, yeah. Well, um, uh, when I when I, you know, uh, well, first let me finish off with the, uh, um, with the Ionic Five uh, first. So the Ionic Five, um, equipped as uh, as I drove it, it was the limited all wheel drive. So that's the top of the line version. Um, came to about uh, fifty five thousand dollars, which is kind of pricey. I mean, it is still eligible for a seventy five hundred dollar tax credit, uh, but it, it's it's on the pricey side. Um, and so, you know, compared to say a Tucson plug-in hybrid, which has got similar interior volume, 
Yeah, that's about fifteen thousand dollars more than the Tucson, um, and you know, it's kind of, might be. I, I guess I would suggest you know that if you're thinking about one of these, maybe consider the extended range rear wheel drive version instead, which you can get for under fifty grand. You know, so it gets you down to you know closer to that same price point as the Tucson. Um, you know, if you need the all wheel drive, you're certainly going to, you know, that's an extra four grand and you're going to get some more performance. Um, but it's, you know, it, it's quite a bit for, for what you're getting. I mean, it is a nice, really nice vehicle. Uh, but it, you know, this is, this is the challenge still with pretty much all the EVs in the market. They are still pretty expensive. Um, so from that, let me transition to talk a little bit more about the EV six, which I drove to Wisconsin and uh, again, you know, same motor, same, um, same dual motor setup, uh, 320 horsepower, 310 horsepower, um, 274 miles of rated EPA range. Um, and for, you know, when I did set out on my trip, I knew that from, from my starting point, it would not be able to, it would not pull up the station, the EA station I wanted to stop at in near Kalamazoo, Michigan. Um, instead, as I was driving, you know, I thought, figured, okay, as I start driving away from my home, maybe it will find it along my route. Mm-hmm. I was about 30 miles from my house driving down I-94 and I tried it, you know, I put in the destination and said, okay, you know, find me chargers along my route. Instead of pointing me to the one that was 70 miles in front of me along my route, it pointed, it, it directed me, it tried to direct me to the EA station near my house, which was 30 miles behind me. Oh my gosh. So if you so, had no idea where you were, you'd be driving 30 miles backwards yeah, for no reason. Exactly. exactly. Um, but um, the, both Electrify, and America, Electrify America and ChargePoint actually have quite decent apps that um, both work with CarPlay and Android Auto. Uh, and so I was using the EA app and Android Auto. Um, and I went back to Google Maps and had my my destination in there, my original destination in there, and then switched over to the EA app. Uh, pulled up the um, you know the charging charging stations uh, near me, uh, and hit the one in Kalamazoo, uh, and says navigate, and it goes right in and adds that as a waypoint in Google Maps. So it it works really nicely for that. Um, Unfortunately, what it doesn't do when you're using it in Google Maps, and if you're using the app just on your phone, you can tap on any of the stations and find out, you know, the availability of chargers, the speed, mm-hmm. and everything. Um, and in the version that shows up in Android Auto, it doesn't show you that level of detail. Uh, so it only shows you it only shows you availability. It doesn't show you the speed or anything like that. But it will uh, guide you to them. Uh, same thing goes for ChargePoint if you're using ChargePoint. Uh, the, uh, when I got to the station in Kalamazoo, I pulled in there, Str- <laughs> amazingly enough, there was actually another EV6 already oh, no there kidding. charging. <laughs> That's the first, first time I've ever seen one in the wild. And it wasn't somebody heading to the rally. Uh, it was, it was somebody, somebody, you know, just an just individual. Just a regular person. Just like a regular, regular person charging their EV6. A human yeah. person. Tell me more a about human these person. people. human <laughs> person. And so even though I, I left home with a full charge, um, and I didn't, technically need to charge a hundred miles away. I did that because, um, knowing, uh, uh, I would actually be stopping in for another charge in Chicago because in Elkhart Lake, Wisconsin, 
they're the closest DC fast chargers are about 35 miles away. And those are Tesla superchargers. The closest CCS fast charger is 50 miles away in Milwaukee. And so what I did was I said, figured, okay, I'll chart, I'll top it off in, uh, in Kalamazoo, go to, um, uh, Chicago, top off again. And that will give me enough range to get from Chicago to Elkhart Lake and then back to, um, Milwaukee on my trip back. Um, and that worked out really well and, you know, gave me a little bit of buffer since I was, I wasn't particularly in the mood, you know, to see, you know, to drive the car all the way until the battery was completely depleted and, you know, then have to wait around for a flatbed. You know, I, I always left myself <laughs> some buffer, uh, and tried to pick the chargers close to my route and with the fastest speed. So I'd have the minimal amount of downtime. Um, so it, it all, it all worked out really well when, when on my way back, when I was in Milwaukee, I was at a 350 kilowatt charge station. It was charging at like almost two or two, about 221 kilowatts, uh, nice. which is close to the peak of what the the uh, the Hyundai's and Kias will do. And I added, I went from 10 to 94 percent charge in uh, like 30 minutes. Uh, which once, was, once it once it gets wow. over 200 you're just like wow yeah it was <laughs> like cranking a, along it's like imagine and then that last like you know 10 20 percent you're like all right this is physics but that yeah when it starts and it's it's like 200 you're like ooh, physics. <laughs> like, I like well, this is physics, uh, physics. <laughs> well, uh. what, was, what was funny when i got to that charge sta- charger in milwaukee there were already two vw id4s there being charged up um and they left a few minutes after i arrived and then a couple of minutes after that, somebody pulled in in a Lucid Air, which is the first Whoa. one I've ever seen wow. in a while. And so I was chatting with the owner for a few minutes. He said, he, yeah, he picked it up from the factory uh, in Arizona six weeks ago. He's already put 7,000 miles on it. Wow. He loves it. He lo- I, I bet he does. It's, yeah. it's, a, good, it's a good car. I it love is. that car. It's fantastic. It's- Pricey as heck, but man, is it a great car! Yeah, you yeah. You, you, you feel the, the the money you spent. You're like, okay, it's like an S class. You get in the S class, you're like, man, this yes. is so expensive. You drive it. Oh, yeah. There's or, some cars. Nine eleven. It's like yeah. Nine eleven S class. You get in both those cars. You're like, oh, that's why. There's cars you get in. You're like, this is just too expensive. I don't know why I would buy this. Other cars. This is so expensive. You take a seat. Oh, I get it now. Like oh. definitely. Yeah. Well, he uh, he said um, he previously owned a, a Tesla Model S. Ooh. said, you know, it, it never felt like a $100,000 car. And this, no. this one definitely does. No, the Lucid feels entirely different. Than, it, it, yeah. The Lucid yeah. really does feel like a luxury car, not like a luxury EV, not like a future EV. It just feels like a luxury, luxury. Yeah. vehicle in every way. It's beautiful. So um, overall, the trip uh, I put on 834 miles, uh, used 245 kilowatt hours of electricity, and got um, about 3.4 miles per kilowatt hour. And considering that this was almost entirely highway driving with the adaptive cruise set at 75 miles an hour, um, I'd say that was pretty good. Yeah, you know, it was 3.4? 3.4, which is That's really again, good. It's a yeah. little, a little at 75 better. miles it's, an hour on the freeway. It's, it's better, better than <clears> the, uh, the EPA rating. Um, and, uh, you know, so I think realistically, you know, if, if in more typical, you know, mixed driving, uh, even though this thing's rated at 274, I, I would expect you could easily get over 300 um, oh, yeah. um, on a charge. That's yeah. really good. Yeah. Dur- during the drive program, we were driving around Clear Lake, and I was just kind of driving through town when you first drive, and I looked down, and at that point, it was getting five miles per kilowatt. 
Yeah. Just like, just like no big news. Oh, yeah, that's what I'm getting. I'm like, just driving around. I'm like, you know, one, then once we got in the back roads and on the freeway, right, obviously right. that went down, but just kind of cruising around town. You're like, geez, this is nice. So, that's so for cool. anybody wants to do uh, a, a road trip with an EV, it's absolutely doable. Um, in most places in the U S now, um, you know, but you do need to do a little planning ahead and figure out where you're going to stop, you know, because a, a lot of the DC fast chargers, the non, the non Tesla DC fast chargers that are out there, um, are only 50 kilowatts, like around Chicago along the, the I-94 and 294, they have these, um, these Oasis rest areas, you know, where they've got some restaurants and gas stations and stuff. And most of these now have, uh, EV chargers, but they're all, um, 50 kilowatt chargers. And so I, I wasn't going to, st- you know, waste my time at those. Yeah. I went, I went to an EA. Why bother? I went to an Why EA station that was across, uh, at, at a, you know, fashion outlet mall parking garage, uh, across the freeway from O'Hare airport. And that worked out great. Did you buy any fashion? I did not buy any fashion. <laughs> oh, wow. Uh, I'm telling you, a better route planner. Check it out. Um, I will do you can that. Put in your time. state of charge. You can put in a state of charge you want when you get where you're going. You set it in your car. I, I was just playing with it as we're talking. Like this really is really cool. I like opened it up on my phone. I'm like, I'm looking at this. This is really neat. It's uh, it's uh, very much built by engineers. Uh, when yeah. you look at it, you're like okay, this is it's not super super uh, user friendly. Sometimes you're like, wait, what? Wait, wait, wait. What do I do? I, I go. How do I find my route again? But like once you figure it out, you're like, oh man, this is this stuff. Well, I will definitely try that one for the next trip. All right, uh, let's get into some other topics. Um, let's start off with uh, with Tesla. Um, about oh, Tesla. I don't know a month and a half or so ago, there was uh, a, an item that popped up on a bunch of websites um, with a little video clip. Somebody filmed uh, a Tesla uh, being used by the owner um, in summon mode, which is the thing that, in theory at least, is supposed to allow you to. You know, if you're, you know, have your car's in the parking lot, you can open up your phone and have your Tesla drive itself to where you are. Um, and some guy was, you know, showing off summon mode, I guess, to his friends or something uh, at uh, at a local private airport. And um, the car ran right into the back of a Cirrus uh, Vision Jet, uh, a three million dollar jet. Uh, didn't didn't even seem to flinch. Didn't seem to notice that it was there. Uh, and so uh, I had. Um, uh, written an email to uh, the hosts of uh, another podcast I listen to called Airplane Geeks about it because one of the hosts there is a, uh, an instructor and uh, flight instructor and spends a lot of time flying Cirrus aircraft. And I thought they'd find it amusing. Um, and the following week, uh, somebody else wrote in uh, a Tesla owner um, who took his car to to the local airport just to see what would happen, and he actually pulled up behind an airplane. And he had, you know, had it in the FSD mode, and he took a picture of the screen where it shows you what the car thinks it's seeing, what the car's sensors think they're seeing. And around the plane, there were three orange cones, uh, and the plane was there directly in front of the car. And yet, the Tesla saw the cones but did not see the plane there at all, which is clearly to me a demonstration of how fundamentally wrong tesla's approach to self-driving is because they they're relying only on cameras and using uh, end-to-end ai without any kind of deterministic or rules-based 
software algorithms. And that means that you've got to train the system to recognize everything, um, which, you know, there's going to be a lot of stuff that um, when you're on, when you're driving around, you don't necessarily need to know exactly what it is, but you do have to recognize that there is something there in front of you that you probably don't want to run into. And this is. <laughs> do not hit objects, whether you know them or not. Do not hit objects. <laughs> yeah. So there's a uh, thing there. Yeah. There's a thing. Go around the thing. What is yeah. it? Don't know, do, but go around it anyway. Yeah. E- even if you don't recognize what it is, that's fine. Just ass- assume assume that yeah. it's something you don't want to hit, yeah. and either stop or you know go around. Mm-hmm. Um, so I will post the uh, the uh, the photo. Uh, that this guy uh, sent in, uh, showing the, showing the screen in his Tesla, not not seeing that there was an airplane even there in front of him, um, in the uh, show notes. Um, that's, a, that's that's I mean because people tow planes and gliders. Like I'm where I'm from, there's a glider port there, yeah. and so people are towing their gliders up there. And I, I guess the Tesla would probably see the license plate and some other stuff, and maybe the tow trailer. But what if it didn't? What if the person just like, oh, I've got to put the license plate on the back of my trailer. If there's a plane there. It's white because most planes are white, so now I can't see it. And then it's just like conk. Yeah. <laughs> How's that go? Conk. It just runs conk. into it. <laughs> conk. All right. Um, next up, um, the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration finally has a new administrator for the first time in five years. They finally got a boss. Yeah. Um, during the prior administration in Washington. Uh, the previous president, who shall remain unnamed, um, did not even bother to to nominate anybody for the job, you know, because that administration didn't actually believe in rules or regulations. Um, so they didn't even bother to nominate somebody f- to fill that position. Um, the current president did nominate Stephen Cliff last year in uh, early in 2021, and now uh, the Senate has finally confirmed Mr. Cliff as the new administrator of NHTSA. Uh, so we'll see if uh, maybe some things start to happen now. Maybe they'll do their job. Ooh, that would be nice. <laughs> Create some regulations and some rules. Yeah. The NTSB is not happy with this. <laughs> no, 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 no. They are not. I've been to NTSB. Uh, I, I was at a, a, an event talking about a, a crash. And I, like at the end of it, they just spent a good 20, 30 minutes just, just, just railing it <laughs> at oh, for not really? doing for not doing their jobs. Like you have a job and you're not doing it. You're not nitsing. Yeah. Um, all right. Uh, next up, Rivian. Um, Rivian's had some challenges actually building their vehicles since they started production last fall. Yeah. Uh, so I guess apparently their uh, their head of uh, production um, it has uh, decided to leave. Um, not quite sure if it was his decision or uh, or R.J. Scarange, the CEO's decision. But um, uh, where is he? Um, Charlie, Charlie, uh, Mwangi, uh, who was previously their head of manufacturing has left the building and, um, Rivian's got a new COO chief operating officer coming in starting on Tuesday. Um, and it's, uh, a former Magna executive, uh, Frank Klein will be taking over as chief operating officer. Um, I mean, that's a good hire. Yeah. Magna, they know how to build things. They, 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 wagons, build, they build a Supras. lot of stuff. Yep. G-Wagons and Supras built by Magna. Yep. And they also, um, you know, they know how to manage supply chains and get suppliers to ship them parts that they need to build that stuff. So 
hopefully um, having this guy, this uh, this gentleman in as their new COO will help them get their uh, supply issues sorted out. Hopefully. I'd like when to you see know somebody. Well. Yeah, it's a good truck. Man, that's, that's such a, wow. I'm yeah. still, yeah, them and Lucid, wow. Because I, I thought they would, I, they would seem like the two that were going to do well. And I'm like, okay, the cars will come out and they'll be fine. And then you're, you're like, wow. You're like, or not. <laughs> I know, or not. Or maybe I judged that wrong. <laughs> Whoopsie. Um, BBS. You guys know who BBS is, right? They make Wheel wheels. Manufacturer. Yeah. Um, they have uh, a new version of one of their wheels that they have announced. Uh, called the, the CIR wheel, which is a pretty good-looking wheel. Um, <coughs> excuse me. Uh, the new version of the uh, BBS uh, CIR wheel is now now has uh, what they call universal fitment, BBS Unlimited. Um, if, if either of you ever bought aftermarket wheels for any of your vehicles, I've not, I've never yeah, done that. I had some aftermarket wheels on my Del Sol and then on my Civic, as you would expect. <laughs> yeah. So I'm in no way surprised. <laughs> these new BBS wheels, uh, you know, one, one of the challenges with buying wheels is making sure that you get wheels with the right bolt pattern that matches your car. Uh, you know, because different manufacturers have different different patterns you know you have four or five six bolt wheels um different diameters and so what uh what bbs is doing i guess some other manufacturers have done this as well uh is uh, they're offering they're bundling the the uh the wheels with uh hub adapters so that you have this adapter that goes in between the wheel the the hub on the car and the hub of the wheel uh so that um you have one that matches the car and the other one matches the wheel. Um, I've never used anything like that. Uh, but, uh, you know, uh, and, and there are some aftermarket adapters that you can buy for various wheels. But I think, you know, buying something from a company like BBS, you're probably more likely to have something that's actually going to be reliable. <laughs> yeah, I feel like if you get it directly from them. Also, but the, the wheel adapter thing, I just feel like the torque every time you, that wheel turns. There's always going to be a minuscule amount of movement between that adapter Midget. and the wheel. Tiny yeah, little bit. Just a scooch. A scooch. Just tiny, a tiny scooch. little bit every time. Teeny, tiny little bit. I don't, I don't. I mean, it sucks when you save up a bunch of money for wheels and then you go to buy them and it turns out they don't make them. They don't have the right <laughs> wheel pattern for your car. And you're like, oh, that's that's a 20-something-year-old sadness right there. Yep. Yeah. All right. Uh, last item for this week before we get into Q&A is uh, the Fisker Pear, <clears throat> which um, I don't know if they're actually going to call it that in production. I think they are. It's, it's sounding like they, that's the plan. <clears throat> but it's uh, they've, they've released um, a teaser sketch of it, um, and it's coming in 2024, um, and it's going to supposedly have a starting price under $29,900, which would make it you know, one of the cheapest EVs on the market. Um the uh, one of the interesting things, though, this is this is actually going, supposed to be built in Lordstown, Ohio, at the factory that used to build the Chevy Cruze. Mm -hmm. um, in fact, way back when, it's also the same factory that built the Chevy Vega. You remember the Vega? Oh, jeez! <laughs> way back. 
Lordstown like is a cursed is. factory. Yeah. It's a cursed factory. It is cursed. Well, when, when when GM finally abandoned it, you know, they sold it to Lordstown Motors, and well, I think the curse continued with them. So hopefully, mm-hmm. hopefully, it doesn't continue for Fisker uh, because um, a couple of weeks ago, um, Lordstown cl- finally closed the deal to sell this factory, which they had bought from GM uh, to Foxconn. Um, who makes the iPhones that you guys are using and all kinds of other stuff. Um, Foxconn has uh, not had a great record with manufacturing in the U.S., though. Just ask Wisconsin. Yeah. Yeah, right? <laughs> yeah, Neilai Patel, the editor-in-chief at The Verge, uh, complains about them all the time because they Foxconn was supposed to build a giant uh, TV factory uh, just a few miles from where he grew up in uh, Racine, Wisconsin. And uh, no, needless to say, they're not building TVs or anything else <laughs> in, in Wisconsin. But now, uh, now Foxconn wants to get into the EV manufacturing business with Fisker. Have you said? I, I'd like to point out that where I was like, where the heck did they come up with Pear? And it's the Personal Electric Automotive Revolution. That's what Pear stands for. Uh, I guess. Personal electric. I don't think the names of your cars should stand for anything. (laughs) Just find find a good name, especially when it's obviously a retro name like that. Yeah. Yeah. Like, oh, it's just like, oh man. Okay. You know what? I like pears. How do we go from ocean to pear? Like, I see ocean to wind or like ocean to sandstorm. I don't know, but ocean to pear, ocean to breeze. But ocean going from waves. Ocean wave. to wave, but ocean to now we're doing fruit. I don't know. <laughs> I feel like someone needs to do the Earth, Wind, and Fire one, and like just pay Earth, Wind, and Fire a bunch of money, and then when they announce the third car, Fire, then they have the band come out. Well, and the I band comes out. Well, anyway, the ex- band couldn't come out anymore. Yeah. Do you really want a car called Fire? Yeah. Especially an EV. <laughs> oh, oh, that's yeah. Ah, they all oh, catch yeah. on fire eventually. <laughs> <laughs> At the end of the day, fire cleanses us all. <laughs> Boy, that's dramatic. Jeez. <laughs> okay. Uh, let's answer some listener questions. Uh, first up, from uh, A. Jordison on Twitter. Uh, it appears the Lightning is going to be a major breakthrough for regular electric vehicle acceptance. Speaking of which, uh, Ford delivered their did their first customer deliveries this past week. Of the did Lightning. they really? Yeah. Um, when will we see this take place with SUVs? I think most of us just want normal looking vehicles that just happen to be electric. What do you think? I mean, I have one of those right now. Yeah. I feel like we already Ricona have electric. SUVs. The e-tron, the-, the Audi e-tron, the first, the, the not the A3 e-tron, but the e-tron uh, SUV. The, the, just- the, the e-tron e-tron. E-tron e-tron. Yeah. That's such a weird naming thing that everything's, but first one's the e-tron, but then everything else is e-tron something else. Yeah. Uh, what else looks like just a regular? Well, but I feel like it kind of is taking place already. I mean, like electric vehicles that kind of just don't look weird and wonkety. The EV6 doesn't look crazy. Yeah. The Hyundai Ionic 5 doesn't look crazy. Like you could just, those I could think to the average made. The buyer, they, those look they? crazy. You think but they you look can, crazy? I, again, but yeah, but the the people who, again, the I, e-tron and the, um, the car I own. <laughs> Kona. Kona. You own a Kona. The Kona. It just looks like a Kona. <laughs> it just looks like a Kona, but it doesn't have the grill up front. And it just has nothing and a little hole. Does it have one in the back? I... No. Yeah, it doesn't uh, have a back grill. <laughs> yeah, there's a rear grill. 
or hot dogs. And like the Tucson, apparently. <laughs> yeah. Tucson. No, I, I think you're right. You know, there, there are, you know, already several, you know, um, rather conventional looking um, electric SUVs uh, or crossovers. Um, and there's going to be a bunch more. You know, coming in the next year or two, uh, I was actually um, just talking to somebody from Genesis the other day. Um, the uh, the GV70 EV um, is coming next year. Uh, that's going to be that's actually going to be built at uh, the Hyundai plant in Alabama. Um, you've also there's Ford's got electric versions of the uh, Explorer and the Aviator coming in 24. Uh, Chevy has shown released sketches of the or uh, renders of the uh, Equinox EV, which looks you know, fairly conventional. Um, the Jeep um, that we saw renders of a couple months ago, you know, that looks fairly straightforward. Uh, although apparently that one might not actually be coming to North America. That might be for Europe only. Come uh, on. Yeah, because apparently it's smaller than we th all thought it was. So it's more, maybe like even smaller than Renegade. Wow, that is tiny. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, there, there, there's, there's a bunch more, you know, more traditionally styled, let's put it that way. Um, SUV, there's some out, SUVs there's coming. more coming. Yeah. You'll, 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 if you want something wacky there, it's available, available. I can't say the word available, by the way, if you want something traditional. Yeah. Yeah. Um, all right. Next up, uh, AJ asks, uh, do they sell storage batteries that can be used to power the home? but be charged with power from the electric utility rather than solar cells. Our state has really cheap power at night and would make it convenient to buy and store it for charging during daytime. Um, and actually, uh, Bryn Berenshausen um, on, uh, actually responded to this directly on Twitter um, with, uh, let's see, format that so I can actually read it. It says, uh, it says whole home batteries like the Tesla Powerwall and Enphase storage are able to do this already. No requirement to pair them with solar. It's just what most people do. The problem with using whole home batteries to charge cars is that a car battery is, say, 55 kilowatt hours or larger, while a single power, law, power wall is only 12 kilowatts and costs $12,500 plus installation. So unless you're only driving 30 to 40 mm -hmm. miles, you'll deplete that battery and spend a lot of money for it. Uh, when I started looking into solar batteries... Um, Solar plus batteries, my dream was to do this, charge the home battery during the day with solar and then transfer that to my car overnight. In reality, I'd have to spend a small fortune for du on dual power walls and not, and it wasn't in my budget. So um, what, what do you think? I, I, agree, I think I agree with what Bryn is saying there, that you know, it's probably not economically viable to do it. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's nice. Um, I mean, the power walls are really nice. And, you know, a Sunrun has one because I'm actually looking, I'm trying to figure out like who I should get for solar on my house. And it's it's like all the reviews are like paid for by the solar company. So I'm just like, Ugh. plus it's not something you could just review. I'm going to throw some solar panels on my house. Yeah. <laughs> okay, now, toss those yeah on can you, there for can a you send me a, re a review set of solar panels and a, and yeah. a battery for my house? So I can exactly. Try I think that the, for, for the wall is mostly for when the power goes out um, and then you're like, okay. So now I have something that I'll keep my, you know, especially if you live in California because of the fires or you live in a, an area where, you know, intermittent access to electricity. Um, they're great um, to power your car. That's probably less. Yeah, I think mostly you want the sun to power your car and then also fill up that battery pack. And then when things are going hinky um, or during the day, if you, you know, the car's off somewhere. Um, you can have that power wall like sort of help you 
run your little, air conditioning in the middle of the day. At, yeah, yeah, little like, boost. Like between yeah. noon and like 9 p.m. when electricity is very expensive and you're, it's also very warm outside, um, you can use that to, to, to sort of run the your air conditioner and, and that sort of thing. So mm-hmm. it's it's cool for that. I my my uh, my new goal is to get a bi-directional vehicle, um, and and I've been looking at the ID Buzz, so that that acts as a power wall. Mm-hmm. So that is connected because most of the time we're not driving that. We'd be driving the Kona or we're driving the BRZ, and so and then we take the the ID Buzz out with the dogs and and you know to go pick stuff, go pick up some mulch and whatnot. Um, but that would be the power wall as opposed to buying a power wall. <laughs> but you know I'm crazy that way. Yeah, no, no, I think I think you're right, you know, because the vehicle is going to have a lot more battery in it than you're likely to have, you know, for stationary storage in your home, you know, and as more and more vehicles come out with bidirectional capabilities, um, you know, I think we're going to see that capability expand beyond just, you know, the the power backup when your power goes out, you know, but you know to maybe be able to use it um, you know, to reduce some of the load so, you know, if you're if you're solar uh, you know, is producing, I don't know, what, 24 kilowatts or something, you know, and, and and you need, you know, something more than that, you know, during peak times of the day, you mm-hmm. can take some of the, the juice from the battery uh, to supplement the the solar, you know, and then recharge it later. Um, so you know, I think there's there's going to be a lot of interesting options there. Um, but like you say, the, the, home, so the home batteries are more for those emergencies and it, it like you know as as we get these bi-directional vehicles um you know i think even those are going to become less and less useful the home the home batteries mm-hmm. yeah because um i was talking uh, my wife was talking to someone who, who got solar and didn't get the battery and the one to get in the end decided later they wanted the battery and it turns out it's more of a pain in the ass to get the battery after you get it so if you get it all done at once and then you get the battery. I'm like, oh man, but the, the car. And then I'm like, well, I don't really need an F-150. And <laughs> yeah, can't really convince myself I need a pickup truck for no reason whatsoever. <laughs> Other than yeah, where's the van? The van makes a lot more sense for us because the dogs and all the stuff. But we'll see. All right. Well, speaking of the the ID Buzz, um, we had another question from uh, Friedland Koch, uh, who I'm, I'm assuming uh, lives in in Germany or somewhere in Europe. I would um, guess. And uh, he asked uh, what our thoughts were on the pricing of the ID Buzz. Prices here in Germany, oh yeah, okay, there we go, uh, were released a week ago and are very steep, considering it is the same platform as the ID4. And I think the the price tag for the the Buzz in Germany is somewhere uh, around fifty thousand euros, um, which is pretty expensive, uh, even even when you're factoring in the the VATs that they that they do there. Um, what do you think? I I mean I've heard forty to fifty for it. Um, for, if it's fifty for, for the U.S. for the U.S. Um, I think if it's four if it's fifty there that's like forty four forty five. The euro is not doing very well by the way against the dollar. Um, I was just over there. I'm like, oh look at all the things I can buy. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, if it was like forty forty five, I think it would probably that's that's what we'll you know that sounds. We'll, that feels right. I think you're right, Robbie, yeah. somewhere in there. And I feel like people would go for it at that price too. So it'd be nice if they had it on a lease too, as well. I mean, I'm still a big, well, I'm sure there will be lease options. EV, Some kind EV, of lease. Yeah. EV leases. You can't EV lease a, uh, the mini SE, which is kind of a bummer. Really? Uh, no, there's no lease available, available oh. for the mini SE. And they're like, yeah, we don't have to because people just keep buying them. We can't make them fast enough. I'm like, Oh, okay. 
because huh. everyone gets in one, they drive it around. They're like, you know what? Maybe I only need an hour, uh, one, 100 miles because <laughs> this is fun. Okay. Uh, next up, James Gardner. Um, question about cars for new drivers. Reliable older car without tech or go new to have all the safety equipment, the safety electronics present. In my case, I have uh, a, Merc, a, Merc, a Mercedes uh, 2015 uh, GLK 350 without so much as a backup camera. Um, keep it or get something new with its excellent resale value. What is that, like seven years old? I was trying to do yeah. math. Um, what is math, really? <laughs> hmm. I mean, here's, here's at some point, prices for used cars are going to go back down. Um, so if you're, if you're thinking money-wise, if you have another vehicle that you could uh, repl- that you could drive, maybe sell it and hold on to that cash until, you know. Exactly. That's the problem right now, because even if you sell that sell Mercedes for a really good price, you're going to pay a heck of a lot to get into a new car because you're not going to get a deal on any new car right now because they just don't have the inventory. So exactly. if you, you know, I guess you'd have to weigh it. Am I getting so much more for my Mercedes right now that it would make it worthwhile to go and buy a new? Because you could, you could potentially... If this is a car for a new driver, right? Let's assume this is a young new driver that they're looking to replace this for, right? You could get a pretty cheap car. Do you know what I mean? Like you might be yeah. able to get something where the really good resale value on that Mercedes, which is a more expensive car, can get you a very cheap new car and have money left over. No? You get a Nissan Kicks. Yeah, like you could get that still has nice, that has they're, right a nice cheap they're, car, and then right? have some money left over to use on another car if you want. Exactly, like yeah. you could save that cash if you just want to get a cheap, low end new car for a new driver. You can buy a cheap car that has a ton of tech, safety tech on it as standard features that aren't on that Mercedes, and then you could probably that might make sense. Might make sense. Yeah, I mean, certainly, you know, even <clears throat> even many of the entry level cars uh, and crossovers today you know, have at least some degree of driver assist systems. I mean, at, at the very least, you've got backup cameras standard mm-hmm. on everything new. Right. Um, you know, and in many cases, you're, you've got things like um, blind spot monitors, lane keep assist, uh, some cases even adaptive radar, adaptive cruise control. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, especially if you get a Toyota, you know, they, they all have that as standard now. Um, so, you know, something like a, a Corolla, you know, uh, for, you know, twenty two, twenty three thousand dollars um, you know, Honda Civic for, you know, 22 grand, you've got all those features as standard equipment now. Um, but even, even on something like the kicks or the base Kona or the venue, you know, you've still got, you know, at least some of those features on their standard equipment, you know, at around that $20,000 price point, assuming yeah. you can actually find one. That's the other so, challenge. That's the, other, yeah. that's the, that's the rub. Yeah, um, you, that's all that said. I mean, it just, I don't know if if it ain't broke, don't fix it. I mean, if the if the GLK works for you, I mean, it's not so old that it's a death trap. Yeah. <laughs> I know, it's not like it's I a mean, 1975. It's a good whatever, car. You, you just you just you're just gonna have to look over your shoulder when you back up. And you can get backup cameras, by the way. You can get yeah, aftermarket can... backup cameras. So that's yeah. a thing. All right. Save yourself a couple grand. Keep the car you like. Mm. Just... There you go. Okay. Um, Team Engineering asks. Uh, with other car manufacturers going electric and proving they can shift to a software-based over-the-air model, how long do you think Tesla will remain competitive? They've proven um, the iterative software model, but seem incapable of bringing out new models of vehicles. Um, I think Tesla's—they still got a few. 
I'm just going to say Tesla needs an adult to run that company. That's that. That's it. That's all there is to it. I mean, I, there's a lot of really smart, really talented, really nice people that work at Tesla. Um, I have friends that work at Tesla, and I would like them to keep their jobs. And I like the idea of an American <laughs> automaker who's sort of come out of nowhere and done really well. Um, that said, I would like an adult to run it now. I think Elon is Elon. Um, he's got a lot of money. He can go run Twitter, dig holes, go to space, do whatever. Um, I think there's a point where the company needs to sort of start like, okay, we need to stop thinking of let's make announcements to get people excited about the stock and make announcements that we can actually and, and deliver on things that we can actually do. Because right now, the last, you know, every, every announcement right now for Tesla is just to sort of goose the stock yeah. to, get, to get more money. I mean, robots, really? A humanoid robot in a year? No, that's not going to happen. The semi... Uh, it's a Freightliner. You can get a Freightliner East Cascadia. Just, Today. There's, there's, yeah. You can, mm-hmm. There's so many things that Tesla is sort of, we're going to do this thing that, A, Tesla shouldn't be doing. They don't need to do. They, they have, you know, four cars. They could, they, at some point, they need to update the X and the S because those cells are just sort of, you know, cratering. I, I, I want them to, I want Tesla to succeed. That's, I mean, the, the, at the end of the day, the, the engineering team there, the, you know, the people who work there, there's a lot of really smart, really nice, really, you know, good people that work there. And I would like that company not to go away because they are sort of trying to game the, the stock market as opposed to just building cars that people want going forward. Yeah, I mean, you know, te- Tesla has still got, you know, some room for some growth, although, you know, their market share is probably going to continue to decline. You know, I mean, a year ago. They had 80% of the EV market in the U.S. Now that's, uh, as of April, uh, that's down to about 60%. Uh, but it's not because their sales are going down overall. It's because there's you know more people buying EVs and there's mm-hmm. more more options out there for people. So you know, I mean, they're not going to maintain you know a majority position in the EV market over the long term uh, because there's there's just going to be too much competition. But you know that. As long as you know, as long as there's somebody you know running the show that you know is competent, like you said, yeah, you know, I don't see any reason why they can't stick around. Yeah, yeah, I think they're. I don't think they're going anywhere anytime soon. I think things will change, and I think they'll have to change and adapt what they're doing in terms of their model lineup and updating things, and you know, coming out with genuine new iterations of things. And that will happen. I don't know what rate because it's Tesla, and who the heck knows with them, but. Um, I don't think they're going anywhere anytime soon. I still think, um, I still think they're they're going to be a solid manufacturer for a ways to go. Yet, I don't I don't see them disappearing anytime soon. Sixty yeah. percent market share is a lot. That's still a lot. They are still, as far as I'm concerned, they're still the Kleenex of EVs. When people yeah. think EV, you think, think Tesla. Tesla. Yeah, a hundred percent. Yeah. Um, all right. Finally, uh, Surter asks. What will be the last car with a manual transmission? Oh. Mustang, the BRZ GR86, Z, Supra, Miata. I could see Porsche dropping the manual soon with increased electrification. I'd go Miata. Yeah, Miata. I mean, I'd like the BRZ and GR86 to last forever, but I don't. But that's you can never tell at the whims of Toyota. Mm-hmm. Miata, though, Miata's that's a that's an icon. Miata's never going away. To them, to to lose the manual transmission on a Miata, that would be the very last car i could see someone, getting rid of a manual someone at, Ma- someone at mazda has one job 
and that's yeah. to figure out how to put a manual transmission in an electric Miata. <laughs> that is their job. <laughs> Some guy working away in his little office, slaving away all day, every day. We can't have an EV Miata until we can give it a manual. <laughs> Make it happen. <laughs> as, as long as there is a Miata, certainly as long as there's a Miata with an internal combustion engine, even if it's hybridized, um, there will be a manual transmission Miata. Um, but yeah, the others are all, you know, anybody's guess yeah, Mustang, Mustang is one, you know, again, if, if, as long as there's an internal combustion Mustang, there will probably be a manual option there. Uh, but yeah, those, those two are, you know, those are the two most likely, I think. Yeah. Yeah. The BRZ, the GR86, I mean, those, that, that's wonderful, wonderful car, but you can never tell whether or not, I mean, Toyota's killed a super before right like the whole and, car could disappear yeah. forget yeah, the, the manual car, transmission yeah and the, the entire is, car is gone <laughs> the z is the z you know it's nissan it depends on how well nissan's doing in a few yeah. years yeah. to be honest and you know it's interesting you know from the presentations they did on the uh, the z um before the launch it turns out 75 percent of all z sales are in the u.s really wow. yeah so the, the u.s is the primary market for the z wow. and most of the rest is japan so, um, you know, since the U.S. is not, you know, overall particularly enamored of uh, of manual transmissions, that doesn't I, bode I, well. I think they would That's... like to keep the the manual Z, uh, but you know, like you said, you know, all depends on how long the Z itself holds up. Days. Yeah. yeah. I mean, that, that's the, I mean, and that market, that, that segment is the sweet spot for manuals. That's where manuals are going to continue to thrive, I guess is the word. Thrive. For, Such as it is. Question mark. Time. Yeah. Thrive because that's the, that enthusiast uh, driver is, that's the people that those are the folks who are keeping that, the manual transmission alive. Mm -hmm. But so if you're, you know, if, when a car, when an automaker comes out with a manual transmission, um, buy the car. <laughs> <laughs> Just to keep I, manuals around. <laughs> I heard a story Just, from uh, from a from a from an automaker about they were they were they went somewhere and they had just come out with a vehicle that had a manual transmission, mm -hmm. and the person came in and saw them and they were wearing like the jackets of that um, automaker and they're like, oh, do you work for that company? And they're like, yeah, and they're like, oh, great, I'm so happy you came out with you know such and such car with a manual transmission. They're like, oh, cool, yeah, yeah. So did you buy it? Well, you know, I have a no. commute, and, a, da, 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 and there's a, a lot of yada yada yada. They bought mm -hmm. the they bought the automatic. He was like, of course, come on, come on. Yeah, I mean, if you really <laughs> want the manuals to stick around, you got to buy them. You have to buy them. You My brother-in-law has a manual transmission. He has two kids that both have driver's licenses. One has absolutely no interest whatsoever in learning to drive one. The daughter who is 17, she's like, I'm trying, I'm learning. She's so she can kind of drive it, but she might destroy it, but she's learning at least. But the older son was like, I don't need to know how to drive that. That's a waste of my time and energy. I have other things to do. He wouldn't even learn. Yeah. I, I had the same issue with mine. One, yeah. one wanted to learn and the other one had, you know, tried, we tried one time to teach her how to drive. That was it's it. Not not happening. <laughs> one, one is your favorite one. You just don't talk to anymore. <laughs> Pretty <Yeah>. much, yeah. <laughs> right, well, it was a good run. We had a good run. It was a good <laughs> run, but you won't drive a manual, so done with you. <laughs> yeah. All right. Uh, that's it for this week. Thank you, everybody, and we will talk to you next time. Bye, everyone. Bye.